Psalms chapter 5. I, I was kind of um, torn between on what to speak on today for Sunday school. And um, so I've kind of leaned in this direction, and um, I hope maybe you get something out of it. Definitely something here for me. You know, I, I find myself nearing, you know, that big old mark of 50 years of age. And when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, I thought surely by the time I was 50, I'd know exactly what path I needed to be on. But yet I find myself, the older I get, Eric, still trying to figure out exactly what it is God wants me to do. Now, I will say that I think I live in God's will. I think I'm where God wants me to be. I, I'm definitely married to the person I need to be married to. I, you know, God's given me children. God's given me a path of a career, if you will. And, and, and I'm not talking of those things necessarily. However, those things certainly come into play in our lives. And, uh, but I'm always finding myself daily still trying to do the right things that God would have me to do. And it seems as if this is becoming more and more relevant. The older I get, Miss Jean, I have people that come to me, teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 50-year-olds, coming to me going, how do you know God's will? How do you know the way? And I find myself more and more often trying to explain these things. And henceforth comes today's lesson. It's relevant in my life. I feel like it'll probably be relevant in your life. So we'll look at this. Um, people are seeking God's path. They're seeking God's way. Seeking God's will. And I want to tell you younger people, you're going to, you need to continue to seek God's will all the way through your life. It doesn't stop when you're 20. It doesn't stop when you get married. It doesn't stop when you get that job. You're always and should always be looking for God's will. David in Psalms 5, I mean, obviously he was an established, mature adult, king, leader, musician, father, husband, warrior. But yet you're going to find in a few minutes he is still seeking that way. We should never outgrow seeking God's will. Because God's will is ever-changing in our life. And I don't want to confuse you with that. But God leads us down one path and then down another and then down another. And there's always going to be decisions that you have to make through every stage of your life. And you're going to need Christ to help you make those decisions and may we never make a decision without Christ so we'll come to this lesson today and we're going to look at some things that that David looks at how he looks at them and I I hope you get something from it we're going to have to take just two minutes and read Psalms chapter 5 follow along with me please verse 1 Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, 
O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in the righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They, they flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. I want to look back at verse 8, and we'll take today's text for this lesson. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. And this is where we'll take our text. Make thy way straight before my face. I want to speak this morning on make thy way straight. I just mentioned by introduction that people are looking every day for that path, that way. And David is crying out to God, Brother John, and he said, Make thy way straight before my face. Are you struggling with where you need to be? Are you struggling with the way you need to go? I want to give you some points this morning where David is speaking to God and he said, make thy way straight. I need to tell you what David means when he says straight here. Basically what he is saying is make thy way plainly unto me. Make thy way clearly unto me. And there's a lot of good Christians, a lot of good Christians that are going through life and they're, they're not that path, that way is just not clear unto them. It's just not plain unto them. They're trying to figure it out, especially with young adults. And, and I think maybe even more so with adults my age that, that, that are really, really trying to do the right thing. But Jody is just not clear. David has some things here in this prayer that gives us some points on saying, God, make thy way straight. I've had a man in his mid-50s, I mentioned this, that has been coming to me. He texts me. He calls me. And Jody, he's trying so hard to do the right thing. Make thy way clear. Make thy way plain. Lord, I need you, David said. Make it clear unto me. Number one, let's look at verses one through three, and we're going to find point one. I want to note, if you're taking notes here, that this is his desperate plea. 
a desperate plea. If you want the Lord to make His way straight before your eyes, before your face, if you want the Lord to make it clear unto you, if you want the Lord to make it plain unto you, you need to be like David and have, number one, a desperate plea. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto my voice. I see a desperate plea here. He said, hearken unto the voice of my cry. He's crying, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. It is a plea. Verse 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. I find a desperate plea from David unto the Lord. In verses 2 and 3, sub-point number 1 here, or sub-point A underneath desperate plea, we find a desperate prayer. We find a desperate prayer. He said, I wake up in the morning and you shall hear my cry, O God, O King. He said, I'm going to direct my thoughts towards you. He said, God, I need you. This is my desperate plea. God, make your path clear unto me. There's a lot of people that they want that clear path, but I don't know if they're making a desperate plea to the Savior. They want everybody else to do it for them. They go for counsel and, and they go to a mentor or they go to, to some other leader, if you will, and they, they're always wanting somebody else to tell them the way. And there's nothing wrong with seeking good, godly counsel. Solomon has a lot to say about godly counsel, and that's a good thing. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. If you really, really want God to make your path or His way clear unto you, you need to be like David and have a desperate plea to him. Who else can plead for themselves better than you can? A desperate plea. I see a desperate prayer in verses 2. He said, hearken unto the voice of my cry. He said, God, I'm crying unto you. I'm praying unto you. This is my desperate plea. Oh, God, hear me. Oh, God, lead me. Oh, God, make thy way straight before my face. Oh, it's a desperate plea. Secondly, a part I really love, and obviously we know we need to pray to God. We know we need to have that desperate prayer, but I love this one because it's so relevant in my life. Verse number one, give ear to my words, O Lord. There's that prayer. And then look at this. If you're not careful, you'll overlook this. Consider my meditations. Secondly, underneath this point of a desperate plea, I want you to note the desperate meditation. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we need to sit down, slow down, and think about some things in our life. We get so busy. When we're in the car, we're on the phone. If you're in the car and you're on the radio, I remember probably the first 35 years I lived in this world. You know, you know I'm a musician and I love music and Eric. I'd ride around. I had that music thumping all the time. I hardly listen to music anymore. I spend more time meditating, Miss Jean, than I ever have in my life. I think on things. I think it comes with maturity. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to tell you something. 
David had a desperate meditation amongst this desperate plea. He said, God, will you consider my meditations? God, I'm thinking on the things of God. God, I want this way in my life so bad. I want it to be clear unto me. I need it to be plain unto me. He said, God, will you, if for no other reason, will you make it clear because and consider my meditations on you? A lot of people want to know the ways of God. They just they want to open a map and, and there's a, a red line running right where they need to be. But God said, I want you to think on some things. But see, Jody, everybody else wants everybody to think it out for them. They go to a counselor. They go to this leader. They go to this mentor. They, they go to their boss. They go to their daddy. They go to their pastor. And, and these are good things, but I think what I'm trying to get the point across this morning is God wants you to think and meditate on the things and the ways of God. Amen. I told a man last week that the biggest thing between a true leader and a non-leader is that a leader has the capability of making decisions. There are people in this world that just cannot make a decision. They know it's either this or this or this, and they know the good things about this part and that part and, and that one, but they, they, they just can't make that decision. And oftentimes these people don't make good decisions when they do make a decision. How do you make good decisions? David said, God, will you, if for no other reason, will you consider my meditation? I think on things. I, I, I think on decisions, the pros, the cons. I meditate on them. And, and, I, and I'm speaking physically. And I'm thinking in the way of business. But even more so, we need to ponder the way of God. God's Word says that his ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. So what we need to do is put aside our thoughts. Come on. And start thinking on His thoughts and meditating. God, consider my meditations. I want to think like you, Lord. Show me. Make your way clear unto me. Make thy way straight, David said desperately. Secondly, in verses 4 through 6, not only did we, should we, to make His way straight before us, should there be a desperate plea, but there should be a divine persuasion. We find this in verses 4 through 6. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. David speaking to God, he said, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. He said, God, thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. David is now seeing a divine persuasion. He is trying to persuade God with his own ways. I have people to come to me. I have employees to come to me. And they want something. And you know what they do, Jody? They try to persuade me. They tell me. They remind me how I am. They remind me of things I've said. They remind me of things they've watched me do. They are trying their best to persuade me. And David, 
is seeking the way of God. He said, oh Lord, make thy way straight before my face. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to go down the path you want me to go. And not only did we see his desperate plea unto God through his meditations and through his prayer, but now he is going through something I'm referring to as divine persuasion. He's trying to persuade God with his own words. And there's nothing wrong with that. Divine persuasion. First of all, underneath this point, sub-point A, I want you to know that he persuaded God with his prayers. He persuaded God with his prayers. He's praying unto God. He's speaking unto God. God, you said. God, you do. God, you will not allow. And, and he's persuading God with his prayer. I want to say that so many others or so many people go to others for prayer. You need to be persuading God with your own prayer. We always have a Wednesday night prayer meeting and we have a prayer list. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible, we spoke on this last night, Kurt, with, you know, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. There's no doubt. God said, have others pray for you. Share your burdens. I taught that lesson on some burdens were made to share and some were made to shoulder. Nothing wrong with sharing your burdens. Nothing wrong with asking people to pray for you. But I'm going to tell you something. As I see in David, this divine persuasion, he was persuading God with his own prayer. I sat on the jury a couple years ago and this man was on trial for murder. He didn't. He chose to not take the stand, or his attorney, you know, thought of it. But whatever. But I thought I sat there, Samuel, for a couple of weeks, and I thought, man, if I were falsely accused, I'd want to get up there myself, and I'd want to try to persuade that jury. I'd want to try to persuade those people, and I'd want to try to persuade them. I believe that I could persuade you on my behalf, Eric, better than anybody else could. But yet we're often, we ask the pastor to pray for us. And we ask, you know, we ask our fellow brethren in the church to pray for us. How much are we praying for ourselves? Are you really trying to persuade God to make His way straight? Are you worried about tomorrow? Where the path's going to lead? God, what do I need to do? God, which way are you directing me? God, what are you going to have for my life? Persuade God with your prayer. That's what David did. Don't rely on the prayer of your pastor. Don't rely on the prayer of your friends. Don't rely on the prayer of your parents. You persuade God with your prayers. You call on God on your own behalf. Secondly, not only do we see that David persuaded God with his prayers, but he persuaded God with righteous practices. He said, God, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. And he goes on and on there in those first three, verse, those three verses, four, five, and six. 
He said, God, but they do this, and God, they do that, and God, you don't like those that do this, and you don't like those people that say that, and you don't like those people that live this way, and God, you're going to destroy those people. He said, but God, let me tell you something. He said, I'm not living that way. He said, God, I'm living righteous. He said, God, will you, can I persuade you with my righteous living, righteous practices? I guess what I'm trying to tell you this morning is, if you want God to make that way clear, we need to live holy. David, he told, he persuaded God with God's own words. He said, God, you said that you would destroy them that do this. God, you said you didn't like them that did that. God, you said you would strike down those that did this and that. He said, but God, I'm trying my best to live holy. He said, God, I don't want to be struck down. I want thy way to be clear unto me. Persuade God with righteous practices. We need to live holy. We need to tell God. Remind God. Not that He has to be reminded. But we're talking about persuasion this morning. We're talking about wanting the way to be clear unto us. David said, make thy way straight before my face. And he is trying his best to persuade God. Divine persuasion. Not only did... He persuaded God with his prayers. Not only did he persuade God with righteous practices, David was trying his best to live a holy life. And before I get off this point, I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever think that God is going to make your path clear or his path clear for you if you're not living holy. There's a lot of people that want to live the way they want to and live like this world and, and not attend church and, and not pray and not read God's Word and not seek His faith, but then they want God to just make this path real clear unto them. We'll tell you something. we got to live holy, people. we got to live by His Word. Divine persuasion. Persuade God with our prayers. Persuade God with righteous practices. Number three. Persuade God with honesty. I'm going to tell you something. You can lie to me. And you can lie to your pastor. You can lie to your mom and your daddy. To your grandparents. To your employer. You can lie to the government. You can lie to the police when it pulls you over. But I'm going to tell you something. You cannot lie to God. You may try, but it's impossible. You can't lie to Him. I'm going to tell you something. You can persuade God with your honesty. Let's look at that. I believe it's verse 6. David said, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. Leasing is lying or deceit. David said, God, you said that you shall destroy them that speak with lies. He said, God, I'm speaking with honesty this morning. He said, God, I'm trying to be honest with you. I know my sins. I know where I failed you. I know there was Bathsheba. Lord, I know there was murder. God, I know there at times has been deceit in my heart, but God, I'm being honest with you. Will you remember my honesty, Lord? I'm trying to persuade you. Persuade God. Divine persuasions. We're talking about Making his way straight. How many of you really want to know the path God has for your life? Well, then there's some things you need to do. 
You need to get serious about doing some things if you want to know this path that God has for you. I didn't say the path that you want to go on. The career that you want to choose. You see, God has a path for you. Every one of you, God has a way for you. David said, I want you to make that way straight, clearly, plainly. It took David's desperate plea. It took David's divine persuasion. And number three in verse seven and about half apart, verse eight, we're going to see his distinct plan. We saw a desperate plea. It was his desperate prayer. It was his desperate meditation. And then we saw his divine persuasion. He persuaded God with his prayers. He persuaded God with righteous practices. He persuaded God with his honesty. And now a distinct plan. What was his plan? Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. David is speaking to God. He said, but as for me. Would you think about that for a minute? But as for me. He just got finished talking about those that have pleasure and wickedness. Those that don't dwell with me. Uh, with thee, the, the foolish that stand in thy sight. The, the haters and workers of iniquity. Those uh, that, that, that lie with leasing and abhorring the bloody. And, and he's speaking about deceitful men in verses 4 through 6. But now he said, but as for me. This is my distinct plan, God. But as for me. I'm going to tell you something. There was ever a day and age in 2021. Lord, it's nearly behind us. Hallelujah. And we're about to go into 2022. I'm going to tell you something. God, He needs some people that's willing to say, but as for me. Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need some Christians this day and time that will go to God in prayer through divine prayer and through divine persuasion and divine and, and desperate pleas and say, but as for me, Lord, but as for me. Are you willing to be one of those, but as for me's? We need some as for me's. Subpoint number one. I want you to see, but as for me, we need some faithfulness. Let's look at verse 7. But as for me, I will come into the house. I will come into the house. Jody, right there I see faithfulness to the house of God. David said, I will come to the house. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. We were ever missing a key element this day and age of Christians wanting to find the way of God and for God to make His way clear unto them, they are missing out on being faithful to God's house. Yes, sir. They want to come just every now and then. and you know they, they want to listen to that guy on the radio or they want to see that guy on the television or they want that app on their phone where they can read that one little Bible verse when they wake up every morning. Just let that be enough. David said, Lord... I'll come to your house. I'll be faithful. We need some faithfulness. But as for me, David said, I will be faithful to the house of God. Not only do we see his distinct plan was to be faithful, but it was also 
to fear. Verse 7 again, he said, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear. I'm giving you God's Word. He said, In thy fear will I worship. We need to fear the law of God. I'm telling you how to ask God to make His way straight before us. We need to fear the law of God. We need to be obedient to the law of God. Yeah, the Ten Commandments. Absolutely. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. But boy, there's a whole much more in there, Jody. That righteous living, that faithfulness, man, this thing gets going on and on. We need to fear. We need to fear God. We need to fear the ways of God. We need to fear the wise of God. We need to fear God's wisdom. I'm telling you. I'm telling you this morning how David was figuring out that path that God had for him. He said, I got a distinct plan. He said, but as for me, I'll stay faithful. Verse 7. He said, I will fear the law of God. And then let's go to that next little, then little step there in verse 7. He said, but I will what? He said, I will worship Worship God. But I'm going to tell you something. Christians this day and age, Christians that are literally seeking the way of God, they've forgotten how to worship Him. they just forgotten about it. They come to church and it's not about worshiping anymore. And I'm not necessarily talking about standing up and shouting, which all that's good. I'm not, I'm not talking about running the aisles and, and all that's good. And I've seen them jump pews and I've seen them sling jackets and throw watches and everything in the world slinging from the chandeliers and running out the front door and around the church and coming in the back. And, and that's all good and I like it. But that's not necessarily the kind of worship I'm talking about this morning. The worship I'm talking about this morning is That worship that you do in that secret place. A lot of what people call worship this day and age is rejoicing. And that is praising. That's not true worship. Worship is what you do with Christ when you're in that closet all by yourself. Worship is what you do when you're riding down the road in that car or in that truck all by yourself. Worship is what you do, Eric, when you're on that tractor out there and you find the tears in your eyes and you begin to to weep before the Lord while you're driving that tractor, bailing that hay, and you feel God's presence come in that old tractor. And and that's when you start to realize that, God, I'm not what I thought I was, and God, I'm so sorry for what I've been. That's true worship. David said, I will worship you. Worship are the things that you do with Christ when you're alone with Him. Hmm. We need to remain holy. We need to worship God. We need to make God some promises. Fourthly, underneath this point of this distinct plan, we saw that as for me, I will remain faithful. As for me, I will fear As for me, I will worship. And then let's look at the first part of verse 8 to find the fourth one in its righteous living. He said, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. We find righteous living. You know what righteous living is? I think a lot of Christian people have been confused on this. 
if you're not careful, you'll, con- you'll, you'll confuse righteousness with holiness. But there's a difference. Holiness is in those ways of God. That holiness, I don't think you get that. But a lot of times we, we confuse righteousness with holiness, and it's just two separate things. Righteousness is morally right. Righteousness, Pastor, can actually be something that is not necessarily of God. There's some things in this world that you just don't need to do. Just how many times I've heard it over, you know, being raised in a pastor's home and in the ministry, and I've heard it all the time, you know, that guy, he don't know Christ. He's never been to church in a day in his life, but, but morally, he's a good old boy. He don't whore around on his wife. He's not a drunk. He's not an addict. He's not a this. He don't do that. He that God lives clean. That's just morally right. Righteousness, aside from God, is just living morally right. I'm giving you the Bible this morning. David said, but as for me, he said, Lord, I'm going to live in thy righteousness. I want to say something right here before we get off this point. He said, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. But I want to finish this. Because of mine enemies. What does that mean? I want to tell you what David is experiencing. If you go back and read verses 4, 5, and 6, you, you see those that those men whose deeds were evil. There's a whole series of them there. And now David is talking about enemies because of my enemies. David, let let me say this, I'm I'm getting there. I have a lot of people that come to me and it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, you'll be, you'll sing somewhere or you teach a lesson or whatever. And they say, man, that blessed me. I, I look up to you. How did you get to where you are? How did you learn this? How did, how did, and then you hear these things. And Jody, the, those people were looking up to me or looking up to you. A lot of times I want to remind you, adults, there's a lot of people that look up to you and you don't realize it. You need to be real careful. David here is not worried about those people that look up to him. Because you know, I'm going to tell you something, when people are looking up to you, well, that's a great responsibility. You can fail a lot of people and not even know it. But David wasn't worried about those people that were looking up to him, Mary. He was worried about the people that was looking down on him because he was doing the right things. He said, Lord, I'm going to do all these things. He said, all of these, as for me, this as for me, I'll remain faithful. As for me, I will fear the Lord. As for me, I will worship God. As for me, I'll execute righteous living. He said, I'm doing it because of my enemies. There's people that are looking down on me. There's a whole world of lost people that are looking down at you right now. Not looking up at you, but are looking down on you. And if for no other reason, you ought to have for some as for me's in your those that are not sitting in this congregation, but for those that are in the world looking in. Well, that's a a whole lesson all in and of itself. 
Mm. Of those enemies. I got a bonus point. Number four. We looked at, we're looking this morning at how to, asking God how to make His way straight. How to make it clear. How to make it plain before us. Number one, we should have a desperate plea like David. We should have divine persuasion like David. We should have a distinct plan like David. And, and this is a bonus. This is going to kind of get off that track. Defined persecutors. Look at verse 9 through 10. David speaking to the Lord. He said, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. These are his persecutors. There's no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Verse 10. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels and cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions for they have rebelled against thee. I guess what I want to say right here, one way to ask God to make his way known unto thee. You need to find your persecutors. So what are you talking about? You need to know your enemies. You need to know your enemies. They are defined. These persecutors are defined in verses 9 and in 10, but mostly in verse 9, they are defined by their lack of faithfulness. We see that right there in verse 9, for there is no faithfulness. They are defined by their wickedness. He said right there, their inward part is very wickedness. They are defined by their mouth, that is the lies and deceit. We saw that leasing earlier. They are defined by their boastfulness. They flatter with their tongue. And then we see in verse 9 that they are defined by their rebellion to God. You need to know your enemies. You need to know who your persecutors are. Because if you're not careful, Jody... You're going to go seek some counsel from that person who's not trying to help you, but that person's trying to hurt you because they're envious of what you have in that path that God's trying to lead you on. I hired a man last week. I don't know if he shows up tomorrow or not, but I hired a man last week. And, and a guy came to me and said, I just can't believe you hired that guy. You, you know how that guy is. You, you know what he's going to say. You, you know what he's going to do. I told him, I said, well, I'll tell you what my daddy told me. It's all right to have a devil in your camp. You just need to know who he is. <laughs> I mean, Jesus had a 12-man crew and one of them was a devil and he knew it the whole time. Yeah. It's okay. You don't want to surround yourself with it, Kurt, but you need to, you need to define, define your persecutors. You need to know who they are. Look here, I, I was raised in church. I probably know too much about this thing. If y'all knew half of what I knew, y'all probably wouldn't come to church no more. I know too much. And I'm not being silly either. You know, I was the preacher's kid. I, I knew every member that had a fault. I knew their sins. I knew where they'd been. And everybody else came to church and thought they were just great people. I don't think so. You need to find your persecutors. You just need to know who they are. Those people you need to compassion yourself about with people that can help you. Look, here, there's a lot of people that want to bring you down out there in that world. David defined his persecutors. I'm telling you this morning on how to ask God to make his way straight. Are you struggling this morning? 
Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Do, do, do you really want to know what God has for you? Do you know who God wants you to marry? Do you know who God, where God wants you to work? Do you, do you know how many children God wants you to have? Do you really want to know all the things that God has planned for your life? Because we get scared of the unknown. We looked in Genesis 3 and we saw how Eve failed. Because of the fear of the unknown. If you're not careful, the fear of the unknown will drive you to places you don't want to go. You better seek the path of God, the way of God. I'm telling you this morning how David was finding the way of God. He had a desperate plea. He had a divine persuasion. He tried to persuade God. He had a distinct plan that was, as for me, I'm going to stay faithful. As for me, God, I'm going to worship you. As for me, Lord, I'm going to fear the law of God. As for me, I'm going to live righteous. And then he defined his persecutors. He didn't want to bring them people around him. He didn't want those people in his camp. Lord, will you make your way straight before your people this morning? If there was ever a day and age, there's so much uncertainty in our politics. There's, there's uncertainty in in our churches, there's uncertainty with our jobs, there's uncertainty with our economy, there's uncertainty in our education, our education is terrible, there's so many uncertain things going on in our lives, we need God to make His way straight before us. God, help us. Let us pray. Lord, thank You. Always for your word. Thank you, Lord, that there is a way. Oftentimes a way that's not known to man. And Lord, may we search this morning for the way of God. That path, Lord, that you would have us go on. Lord, may we take these things we find in your word that David presented unto us. And may, Lord, these things help us, Lord, to seek the way of God before our face. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done, for the ways and the provisions you've made in our lives. Lord, we pray, Father, this morning for the remainder of the worship service, Lord, that you'll touch your man as he preaches to us this morning, anoint him, fill him with the Spirit. Bless Him, Lord, as He makes decisions and leads the service. God, I pray, Lord, that uh, Lord He'll have discernment, Lord. You'll just anoint. Lord, if there are those among us this morning that are just struggling with knowing Your way, as David said, God, I pray You'll make it straight before their face this morning. A lot of Christians live in fear for not knowing Your way, Your path. God, make it known unto them. May they have a desperate plea, a divine persuasion, Lord. Bless them. I pray, Lord, for those that are sick, that, Lord, you maybe your hand of healing will be upon them. God bless them. Touch, heal them, raise them up as you see fit. We'll promise to thank you and praise you. For it's in your precious name we ask it. Amen.